And I spread a song so you can sing along With my special guest star or two You like to sing and dance And this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and today is a very special guest. She is a Broadway swing dresser and one of the top 10 performing arts coaches in the world, damn, uh, where she teaches business and the business side of performing and backstage artists. Uh, She's also a Broadway TV film actress and the first and only actress to play a leading role, to play leading roles, excuse me, in two off-Broadway shows at the same time. And she's also, the reason why she's on this episode, she's a Fanny Bryce go-to gal and has played her in four shows and has two CDs, and has recorded two CDs as Fanny. It's Kimberly Faye Greenberg. Why, hello. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much. I have a, I have a few questions before we get started into talking about Funny Girl and, uh, and the life of Fanny and all that. What were the two shows? So I was in One Night with Fanny Bryce. How appropriate. It was a solo show, a full book musical solo show. And I was also at the same time in Danny and Sylvia, the Danny Kaye musical, uh, that show ran for three years, and that was a two-person musical, and I played Sylvia Fine, Danny Kaye's wife. Oh, my God. Yes, and I did them at the same time. Obviously, the shows didn't run at the same time, but they would, like, piggyback off of each other um, during the week at the same theater, at St. Luke's Theater in New York City on 46th Street. Damn! That must have been hard. <laughs> it was very hard. And on top of that, fun story, fun fact, I was also at the same time still being a wardrobe swing dresser on Broadway. And I was working at Billy Elliot on Broadway at the time. And I would literally do a matinee of one of those two shows. I would run to Billy Elliot and I would get there by like 15 to 20 minutes into the first act where I would then sub in for a dresser who was out sick. And then I would leave the theater and go back to my theater because both theaters were on 46th Street. And then I would do an evening show. So I would dress in my pin curls and my lashes uh, backstage. And then I would run back to my theater and do my show at night. Oh, my God. <laughs> that sounds awful yet awesome at the same time. Oh, it was pretty great, I will say. But it was very hard. And thinking back now, because now it's been like eight or nine years since I did that. Um, I'm not sure if I could do that again. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But you only play Fanny in four shows? Yeah, so, well, that's that's a good good chunk, I feel. Uh, so, I, yes, I started playing Fanny in One Night with Fanny Bryce off-Broadway. And then what happened was a bunch of very reputable news outlets, the New York Times, the Associated Press, and a bunch of others, saw me in the show. And obviously, I got nice reviews, thank goodness, you know, uh-huh. and then... Of course, uh, people were seeing the show because of the reviews. And from that, a team saw me in that show and hired me to play Fanny Bryce in their Broadway-bound musical called Ghostlight, which we've then workshopped several times over. And that's been with such Broadway stars as like Daisy Egan and Carolee Carmelo and Rachel York. Um, And then in addition, 
another creative team saw me in that show and hired me to play Fanny Bryce in a show called uh, Ziegfeld Midnight Frolics by the Speakeasy Dollhouse, which is an immersive theatrical company in New York City. So I played Fanny Bryce in that show at the Liberty Theater, which is a Broadway house, but it's the wow. only hidden house on Broadway. So it's it's not a regular production house and it's kind of hidden behind a facade. Like you wouldn't know it was there unless somebody told you. So I did that. And then in addition, I started getting phone calls from people who had seen me in the off-Broadway show and they wanted more. So they asked if I would make my own show for their, that particular group or company. Two companies called a very small um, a club out in New Jersey for like 300 people. And then a large theater company, um, that concert association that had a season and they wanted a Fanny Bryce show in their season for the following year. So that's how I ended up making my own show called Fabulous yes. Fanny, the songs and stories of Fanny Bryce, which went on tour for eight years, touring the country. I have a couple of albums and now it's streaming online on Stellar. I mean, you probably know, uh, you have to be, besides her family or any living relative, you have to, you must know everything about her. I'm assuming. <laughs> I, I know a, a good amount. And I, that's because I've been very lucky. But my story of playing her was actually was off. Well, not offered, but I was told to study Fanny Bryce and Funny Girl, what we're going to talk about today, uh, for a dinner theater production of the show when I was performing in another show there. And this was before I had done all these shows I just mentioned. And I studied her for a year. And when somebody tells me to do something, I very much go all in. So I had... Of course, already seen Funny Girl, but watched it another few times, saw other regional productions of <clears throat> Funny Girl, excuse me. And then I went to the library and did all my research. And the great thing about New York is there's so much more accessible content that you couldn't get anywhere else. I went to the Museum of Film and Tape. I was right. able to watch a bunch of things that aren't accessible that you cannot find on YouTube. And then as well, um, I was also able to glean her memoir that was that's always been unpublished. So that's actually, and I'm, I'm, I, I tell people, because it's not a secret, um, it's actually available in the New York Public Library at Lincoln Center, and you can read it in the in the in the inside the library right you can't just donate take it. <laughs> yeah you can't just take it out you can't make copies you can't do any of that so you can actually read it it was donated um, by the meredith wilson estate and there's more on that we can talk about that later but it basically when ray stark was looking to have funny girl made um he had a bunch of writers uh read her memoir that she had written so that he could use it to pass it around and i'm assuming meredith wilson was one of those which is why it ended up being donated to the library. And then of course I'd met some um, re far removed family members. I've met people who have known family members, uh, people I know in my immediate circle, which I didn't realize um, were in some sort of relation to her. A friend I know is Billy Rose's cousin. A friend I went to high school with is married to somebody who worked for Ray Stark. Oh um, so I, the I web think, just like yeah, the web grows. <laughs> I've met Herb Goldman, who wrote one of the more popular biographies of Fanny's. He's the one who told me about the memoir. Um, so the web of the web of people pretty great as far and I've been to Fanny's house on Long Island um which they talk about in Funny Girl and they they show in funny they don't show the actual house but they discuss that house yeah. and have a whole scene in the house um so I have been to that exact house and been inside and I'm friends with the owners and um yeah so here we are well okay so your show Fabulous Fanny I was looking this up um apparently that was also a working title for 
the Fanny Bryce musical when Ray Stark was shop- shopping it around for like a movie. Oh, that I, I did not that. know, but it would make sense. There's a couple other, there's a biography which you could find that's also named Fabulous Fanny, um, which is why I'm Fabulous Fanny, the songs and stories of stories. Fanny Bryce versus Fabulous Fanny Bryce, although I use that for short. Uh, but yes, absolutely. I mean, you can't copyright a title. So no, 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 but I a didn't lot know of people if, can have the same title. I didn't know if like you knew that and that's why you called it your show. But this. Oh, that's actually, I did not know that. I did not realize. So this so movie, this movie came out in 1968. It was written by the screenplay by Isabel Leonard and music by Jules Stein, lyrics by Bob Merrill, directed by William Wilder, Wyler, and basically it's the life and times of Fanny Bryce with uh, Fred Ar- Arnstein, with Nick Arnstein, excuse me. Nick Arnstein, yep. So I did a lot of, I, did, I looked her up because, you know, you were recording this, I was just like, ooh. Kim's gonna know a lot of things about her and I gotta be I gotta be ready I didn't realize Fanny Bryce is not her real name yes it was like an Irish name she had an Irish name to start off do you know how to pronounce it by any chance well are you talking about Fania Borok yes okay so Fania Borok that's well she actually was okay so Fania Borok I believe is her is her name but then she changed it to like a more regular everyday joe name and then she went to fanny bryce um then fanny borak i believe is just like a russian but that's like her birth name name. i believe yes i believe that's her birth birth name and then um obviously when she was in when the real fanny bryce was in the zigfield follies a few of the songs that they do in the show that they adapted for the show and the movie were hers but the rest of them were all new songs yes so funny girl the musical was all new songs now when you're looking at the movie the movie like has some underscoring of her tunes like secondhand rose um i believe you can hear an under underscoring of I'd rather be blue that might be in funny lady I'd have to watch it one last time to tell you no, but she, then my go ahead I'm sorry if I remember correctly she she sings something like that after the roller skate rag yes and I can't recall if it's I'd rather be blue I'd rather be I blue think it is yeah I, yeah this I'd rather be blue so that is Fanny's tune and then um, My Man is her biggest hit, Fanny Bryce's biggest hit. So that was a, a big torch song. And ironically, it was a sad song and not a comedy song. And she was known as a comedian. And they decided to put that in the movie. I'm assuming because by that time, but it, it wouldn't have been in the public domain. But for whatever reason, because I think it was just her pop, most popular tune. That's why they stuck it in the movie. In the, in the musical stage version, they have the music that makes me dance, which is not mm-hmm. my man, but that was their ode to it for the musical. I don't know the reasoning behind leaving out all her tunes out of the stage version. That's so um, weird. It's very, it's very strange, but obviously um, all those tunes in and of itself are songs that people know at this point. It's nice that we, we have all those songs that weren't actually hers that are reference her do you know what i mean yes um and then if you look at funny lady which is the sequel to funny girl then there's the some more fanny bryce tunes in that in that movie musical as well huh 
I didn't realize that. Yes, yes. That is her, that's the story of her her relationship with her third husband, Billy Rose. Ooh, maybe I'll have you come back and we'll talk about that that movie too. Um, Because I saw also, uh, she had a character that she later played on the radio, Baby Snook. Yes, Baby Snooks, yes. So she, um, they don't go into that at all in Funny Girl, really. I mean, it's interesting how they don't, they don't put that in there at all. But she started playing this, this little seven-year-old kid called Babykins in, um, in, in a Broadway musical called Sweet and Low, which was written by Billy Rose, her third husband. So, and uh, basically it's always a bunch of like, it's more vaudeville, it's more vaudeville because it was all like skits basically. And, um, so they invent, she had this character called Babykins, and it became so popular that they ended up, um, or they felt that it would translate well on their radio. So then they ended up putting on the radio, they called her baby snooks. And then she was on the radio as baby snooks for 25 years until she died. Yes. I read that. Yeah. 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 I also read that you're on her Wikipedia page. Did you I believe I am. I think so. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. I am on the Wikipedia page. That's um, in if you scroll down at the bottom to the Bryce portrayals, you are mentioned. Excellent. <laughs> with the uh, one night with Fanny Bryce. Yes, that's the off Broadway show. Yes, yes, yes. So when you do her, when you do your your Fanny your show, and obviously the other ones. Do you do more her renditions of the songs or do you do like the ones that were in the movie and the musical? So in my musical, it's all her songs and or songs uh, written. There's a few songs written by Billy Rose, her third husband. They're all somehow in association with Fanny Bryce. I also do a couple of the funny girl tunes at the end and I won't tell how I how I am able to do that because it's a very much a theatrical reveal. You have to watch the show. You have to watch the show. Anyone listening you have to watch the show. It's streaming That's online. Um, but um, <laughs> I um, I wanted to make sure that I was really actually giving the audience more of the real Fanny. And I definitely, as an actress and a singer, I, my vocal quality is very much of Fanny Bryce. It's not Barbara in any way. Oh, no. um, so that is, that it, it's just appropriate that I, that no, I. No, and you, I'm sorry, looking at you, I've, I, I tried so hard to study this, study up on this. Uh, so we, uh, we could talk about her and obviously Funny Girl. You look just so much like her. It's terrifying but awesome yeah I know, yeah it's very strange i might be her reincarnated i mean who knows <laughs> you believe in that stuff um yeah if you put her picture and my picture together you can't tell us apart it's very strange there's so, only a few pictures where we look different yeah 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 i saw that i saw one picture of her as baby snook where her mouth is gaping wide open i'm like it, yep you, for those of you <laughs> who obviously don't see this Kim just did I'll, I'll post it somewhere probably on the social media and Kim Kim just did it and I was just like yeah that's that's her <laughs> she's she is Fanny it's like, very strange it's very it's very strange yeah uh but with this movie I felt like reading up on her and then watching this movie it's two different women entirely mm-hmm. because you see you you read up on her and she seems like she kind of seems like you, you know, you hustle around. Obviously, you said that you did 
two shows and you would work on Billy Elliot at the same time. You know, you're trying to make it big. And then you watch this movie and she's all sappy and lovey-dovey. Yeah, the movie... (laughs) Well, the movie is interesting because it's obviously a product of its time because, you know, movies very much until recently were, you know, the women swooning over the guy and kind of these, like, sappy love stories where women weren't allowed to technically take ownership of their feelings and their authority because it's I mean that's a very recent thing in our culture so definitely the movie was a product of its time also the movie is very much a watered down version of her in her life and I think Fanny in real life I think she was probably a very likable human but I also think that she was a very authoritative human I mean, she was a woman in a man's world and she asked for what she wanted and she demanded for what she wanted. And we get that a little bit in Funny Girl, but um, I think very much more so in life. She just did what she needed to do to get ahead, to achieve the things she needed to achieve, to support her family. And then in dealing with her three husbands, I mean, they all were kind of schmucky in different ways and you know she supported them in in she supported nick arnstein at least um for their whole marriage so you have to think you know she was the breadwinner of the family and she needed to make things happen so you don't really see that so much in funny girl in the musical or in the in the movie oh even in the musical i've never seen the musical i'm not gonna lie to you i don't think it's ever really done Unless you it's, go out of town somewhere, or yeah, I mean it. It it's they keep talking about doing it in New York, but I don't know if it will ever happen. But um, regionally, it's done usually with a big name as Fanny, and the movie, the musical, isn't that different from the movie. Quite honestly, it's all it's very, very, very similar to the yeah, movie. Because, like, at least in the movie, I could speak to the movie. She will sass Ziegfeld. Yes. Like, she basically harassed him to be in the follies and then Nick comes on and she's just a puddle. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Well, I think she still was a puddle in real life. They talk about, well, she talks about in her memoir, how like Nick was in the audience of one of the shows, Ziegfeld Follies shows she was in in Chicago. And he was like the only one that day to give her a standing ovation. And he then met her backstage and she did swoon over him and he invited her back to his apartment and mm, she like was okay. immediately in love because he had like an apartment that was like made of gold, like, you know, gold leaf. And then in the bathroom, the whole thing is he had seven toothbrushes, like one for every day of the week. It was it's very funny. But he was very much showcasing to her that he was wealthy, but in actuality, he was not really. Um, he was married to another woman at the time who was supporting him. So, I mean, he was, you know, a shyster. He was, he, he wasn't who he said he was, but she did fall head over heels for him because he wooed her. You know, even watching it, I was, I I had those thoughts of like, you know, she's very strong willed and then Nick comes in, but like, there's also like the heart wants what it wants. And obviously we all know you're stupid whenever you're in love with somebody, but like, I don't know. I guess it, I guess I have, I, when you said it's a product of his time, it just made, makes a lot of sense where uh, 68 women's l- movement is happening. Yeah. And it was just, <laughs> I was just like, I know I'm supposed to 
like her because she's the lead and everything, but I really don't. <laughs> I yeah, was- I'm. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like she's still very likable in the movie if you understand that it's a product of its time. Because even the musical is very much like that, and I think that's part of the reason why you don't see it done a lot because it's a very similar thing. Um, I think they've tried to rework the book a couple of times and the, the London version that they did recently, they reworked the book a little bit, Um, (laughs) but it's still mostly the same, but you know, with a little, with a few revisions, but um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. She has a quote, a famous quote that says she never, loved the men she liked and never liked the men she loved and it was very much the case like with dick arnstein like she loved him but wow. she never really liked him because he was a horrible horrible human and then the billy rose is the opposite she liked billy a lot because they had tons in common he was a theater producer and a writer they could work together but then she never loved him so but then what about husband number one husband number one his name was frank wright she married him when she was very, very young, when she was first starting out, when she was touring in um, burlesque, I believe she met him and it may have been, she did burlesque and then she did vaudeville. So it was somewhere during that time. Can't recall specific, specifically what that was, but um, she married him because all the chorus girls were like, oh, you should marry him. You need to get married. That's the thing that you do. He seems like a nice guy. He owns a barbershop. So she married him and then she divorced him three days later. And it's hard to know why she married, like why she divorced him. It doesn't go into much from what I recall in the memoir, but I'm sure part of it was the fact that, you know, she marries this guy, she can't be a performer anymore. And that's what she wanted to do. That was like, there was no questioning that in any way. There's also some implied things like in a, in a show that I, showed I did off Broadway, it was implied that maybe he wasn't such a nice guy either. Um, Yeah. That he may have like (laughs) abused her a bit. It's hard, it's hard to know, really, but the whole thing is that it only really even lasted three days anyway. So, you know what I mean? Like, she was married, but then it was done. She divorced him. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, conservatively, how many times have you actually seen this movie? Ballpark. Oh, I don't know. I've probably seen it maybe ten times at the most. Okay. I mean, I don't, I, like, I watched it when I was a kid. I listened to Barbara as I was a kid because that's all my mom listened to. Right. And then I watched it. Well, maybe I probably have seen it more than 10 times because when I was first going to hope, hoping to play Funny Girl, Fanny and Funny Girl, which I didn't end up booking. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I didn't end up booking it. But then that's, you know, what goes around comes around. The universe smiled on me anyway. And I that's ended up true. getting one night with Fanny Bryce. Um, so there's no regrets there. Uh, but I, I think I watched it a lot then. So I have probably watched it like more like 20 times, I would think. And nowadays, you do you try not to watch it because you're so into your version of Fanny that you don't want to be influenced by um, Barbara so much? Can I just say it has nothing to do with that? I think I just, it just, I don't watch both- I don't watch movies over and over and over and over again. Unless, <laughs> like I'm like, oh yeah, I should watch it. So uh, yeah, I don't. I'm so influenced by so many other things with her life now besides the movie. I like, but I still love listening to the album. Okay. And there are scenes of it I still love to watch. Like I'll go watch her Barbara sing "Don't Rain on My Parade" on the Hoboken train terminal. I love that. Oh. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, you know, there's still stuff that I'm like, oh, I love that. You know what I mean? She comes right. out in her leopard coat. Uh, and then, and then, you know, she sings "My Man." 
Yeah. And then I'm the the one thing I I I, I guess they took liberties on is the fact that this is a film so they can have her sing a lot of the songs but it's an inner monologue a lot of the time or yeah, sometimes they, yeah they do do that a lot in the movie when you hear nikki arnstein nikki arnstein yeah and then even yeah. with my man too when it's yeah. supposed to come back to the present yeah i mean the musical is similar to that as well stage musical as well it's a lot of like alone moments um figuring things out but I mean, they did that very well in the movie. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. we're really looking as the audience into her mind of what she's thinking. And the camera very much allows for it. I feel like almost in many ways, it's a better movie than a stage musical because of really? that. Because it's intimate. Okay, you guys heard it first. Kim Greenberg I mean, likes the movie more than the stage. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But... I'm going to get myself into a lot of trouble. I like both easily, but I think that the intimacy of the show is translated very well on screen, but, and they can also accomplish the, the, um, the, the big, you know, production numbers too on screen. Yes. Because they have all the ability to do so. It's hard to, intimacy is hard when you have a big musical on stage that has to have all the big numbers, but then, come down to be really really intimate in a huge in a huge theater you know what I mean it's hard for that stuff to read so so now with the uh you we were you were just talking about it and it made me want to talk about his love makes me beautiful you know that song that's the wedding yes, number love makes me beautiful so and, beautiful I'm beautiful and she comes out with the pregnant belly and all yes. that yeah did yeah, she yeah. actually do something like that um, I don't know if it was like that exact number, but there was all so many numbers like that that Fanny Bryce did do because the thing with Fanny is she was known as a Yiddish comedian. So she would like infuse all that Yiddish humor, but in a way it was more generalized for like the audience of many different kinds of people who would find it funny. So she had all that kind of shtick in other songs that she did. Like she had a song called I'm an Indian. She had a song called Sadie Salome about this girl who, you know, um, ended up getting famous because she was like, you know, getting naked on stage. You know what I mean? Like, so, but then there's the song Rosa Washington Square. That's not as Yiddish, but like she has a bunch of songs where it was the exact same sort of shtick was happening, which is how they put that, that's how they just made that device in the movie with the with the wedding number. Because obviously, if that were if that was real, then she has brass balls. I mean, I'm watching well, it obviously. Did, yeah, I mean, she did do songs like that, though. I mean, like that's what made her famous. That's what got her hired into the Follies. Was like kind of mixing that Yiddish humor and little craziness and things that you wouldn't anticipate it being in. Now, the song in the movie, as I'm thinking about it, though, has an extra meaning to it. And I'm sure that they used that song both to show the Yiddish humor in the way the audience of today would have liked it. But they also were saying how it was Nick Arnstein's love making her feel beautiful, which was the case. Oh, I didn't even read it as that. I just read it that she was obviously going against Ziegfeld. Oh, yeah, totally. She and she did. She did. She fully trusted him, but her big hit song, um, when she in the first show of the Follies, um, the first song she sang in the Follies, Zigfeld didn't want her to sing. It was called Lovey Joe. 
And I don't know what her spin on it was. Like, it's hard to know because there's no video of her singing it. But like, um, she added that Yiddishy spin to it, I'm sure. And she got like, she got 17 encores in one evening singing it on, oh, on her opening. Yeah. And that's how Ziegfeld was like, okay, she's a big star and I'm going to trust her and let her do these kind of sticky things that she does. So but, that's uh, but- obviously something different from real life in the movie where he's trying, it seems like he's trying to control her and make her conform. Right. Always. I mean, right. But she, the whole, his love makes me beautiful was her doing. Like, yes. He, so that's that's how that relationship played out. Like before she's saying, before Fanny's saying Lovey Joe, Flo didn't want her to necessarily sing that song. And she just did it anyway. And that's what happened. Oh she God. said, Flo, you have to trust me, I'm gonna do it. And she did it. And of course she got 17 encores and became like a big star. She became the biggest star of the Follies. So that's how they're that's how they're just showcasing that in Funny Girl. But also I feel like it has a double meaning because really truly Nick made her feel beautiful. That, but that's she didn't true, feel beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and it's that's the thing, because you had that one neighbor in the beginning who was like talking talking to Fanny, being like down talking to her. And like I'm just sitting here like she's not bad. <laughs> no, and you know, you look it's at her Barbara, photos. Like. <laughs> she's a very yeah, well, absolutely. And I mean, even in real life, Fanny was very attractive. When she was very young and first starting out, she was in burlesque. She was yeah. in Bobville. I mean, she was a good looking lady. You know what I mean? She wasn't like bad looking in any way. It's just that I think maybe partly ethnicity, partly, and then partly just how she made herself famous was she was told by Irving Berlin, who she collaborated with on songs that you need, if you want to be a star, which she did, she wanted to like be a performer and make money and be a star he was like, you have to find the thing that's going to make you stand out from everybody else. And he was like, you're Jewish. Why don't you bring this um, Yiddish humor that they have over on Second Avenue into your work, but make it more appealing to a broader audience. And that's what, and you're funny. So that's what they did. And then, so from that point on, she wasn't the pretty girl. She was the funny girl. Thus the title. The girl, <laughs> that's the title. And then, you know, her big stick was making all those funny faces. You know, she did all the funny faces. She did all the big gestures and the movements. And that's what she uniquely did versus everybody else. So, Would you be bold in saying that the real Fanny was like the first woman to do that? Like first oh, she notable was. woman? She was. She was the first. Yeah. She and, totally then obvi- the first. and then obviously yeah. we wouldn't have the women of SNL these days. And yes. Second City and she all that. She was the first. She was totally the first. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's why she's so huge and which is why like I'm so honored to continue her legacy because I think people don't realize the effect that she has actually had on our, our culture as a whole. Like she was the first torch singer. She was um, one of the, she was the first big torch singer. She was... Um, the first Yiddish comedian, which opened up doors for people to start using their ethnicity and their cultural background in their work. Do you know what I mean? Like make it much more acceptable to be able to do that. And she was a female comedian, which, you know, the very, the very first. So there you go. First female comedian opened the doors to everybody else that we see now from like starting with her and then Gracie Allen and then Lucille Ball. And then you look at all the other women we have today. Um, and then you look at her song book, which yes, some of the songs are in Funny Girl 
not as you know not that many but then you look at funny ladies summer in there too but many of her songs are like standards they're part of the american songbook now they're like songs that are sung by people all over the world and you wouldn't realize that hey that was a fanny bryce tune and you're you just i don't know how long that was like a minute that you just talked about her that's more entertaining than the movie i'm not gonna lie to you i want to see that movie where well, did you see my show because that's where you'll see it <laughs> oh i just put you on the spot <laughs> well now you have to make it into a feature make it into a feature this way you can you can have the nick arnstein and the the third husband whose name i'm now forgetting but you can also just be like no man this is my time <laughs> you don't have to play it like the love struck Barbara well, did. <laughs> well, that's why I enjoy having my show because it's a book musical too, like Funny Girl. But I'm very much um, showcasing the real Fanny Bryce, which is I think why people very much like it because it's it's the real woman. It's, it's not. The, yeah. I mean, it's my interpretation of the real woman, but because I have access to, have had access to so many more real stories that are what's portrayed in in Funny Girl, and luckily, you know, she's public domain at this point, so I'm, I can share that stuff without being worried okay that's good that's good to well, know. she's a famous person so she's public domain and she's she's not alive so that's how it kind of now did she write works. my man secondhand rose and i'd rather be blue or was that no blue? no so other people wrote her wrote music for her she didn't write any of her music but like billy rose her third husband wrote a bunch of her tunes um irving berlin wrote a bunch of her tunes and then there were other artists that that wrote tunes as well so low-key i'm a huge gleek i'm a fan of the show glee i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. i know it's troubled and i'm probably gonna talk about it in later episodes of this podcast have you ever watched an episode of glee yes oh. i watched i think i watched all of them okay so you've seen that don't rain on my parade was sung yes. conservatively three times in that show yes yes well leah michelle wanted to with her character wanted to be fanny Bryce and funny girl and so does she i'm I, I, I realize, but yes. Uh, and then, you know, but I feel like though my favorite version is the one that the late Naya Rivera sang. Oh my gosh, maybe I didn't, I don't, I don't remember that. So, okay, this is where I'm going to show my true colors. In season five, Re- Leah Michelle's character is starring in a production of Funny Girl on Broadway. Yes, I recall that. Yes. And she's working her night job at the, at the, um, yes. at the diner. Yeah. And then Diner. <laughs> Naya Rivera's character comes in and does uh, an auditions as her understudy. Oh, yes, I do recall that now. And yeah. then they, they do that whole thing that they did in season one where she started at the back of the house and then went to the yes. front. Yes. And you know what? After talking to you about, the, about her, that whole sequence kind of makes sense now. <laughs> Like oh, yeah. the fact that they, that when, the way that they choreographed it, where it wasn't standard, you know, they were performing on a stage. They started at the back of the house. And that's something that like, I guess maybe Fanny would do. She would do something a little different, make it stand yeah, out a little I more. Mean, yeah, I mean, she's all about standing out. So whatever that is, she would do <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that's her whole career is standing out. Do you have, do you want to like give us anything else about Fanny? I'm... I, we we kind of talked about the movie. I really don't. I'm not. I wasn't a huge fan of the film. I'm not gonna lie. I saw it. This is actually my second time watching this movie ever, and 
although the music is great, there's a little dissonance between like music and what you see on on screen, and it just didn't click for me personally. Interesting, interesting. Um, I mean, the whole thing about Funny Girl, I I enjoy because it's a movie musical. But it's very much because I'm such, I have such an uh, affinity and a personal attachment to the real funny girl, Fanny Mm -hmm. Bryce. The thing about the movie, and I actually feel like a lot of people feel this way, is like because of a watered down version, but it's also doesn't say too many true things about like, hold on. There we go. It doesn't say too many true things about even Nick Arnstein. Because, I mean, if you want to know more about Nick Arnstein, he was the... He was, um, he pulled off the biggest heist in Wall Street history. I read about that. With Arnold Rothstein and all these big, you know, heavy hitter guys, um, gangster guys. And, um, you know, they don't even touch on that in Funny Girl. Like he, he maybe gambles with some horses, you know what I mean? And loses at the races and then that's it. Um, and then so, he was arrested, but I don't even remember for what Yeah, for, it wasn't like... like anything crazy. And the reason why they did that in Funny Girl when they created it is because Nick Arnstein was still alive and he was such a shyster that they were fearful that they would sue, he would sue them and then it would prevent Funny Girl from being made. So that's why they, they had the, to be nice to his portrayal. Both the stage version and the eventual movie. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So then in the revival, did they like turn it up a notch to make no, it a little more realistic for him? No, none of that is really any different. I think just Fanny asserts herself just a little bit more. And there's a few, there's a few tweaks that just makes it a little bit of an easier flow. You know what I mean? But, but really the, the revival, the revised version is, is pretty much the, um, the original. Yeah, I think that there's a, oh, there's an additional song they gave Nick Arnstein to sing. I don't remember too much about it, but they did give Nick a song because he doesn't really have a song. I'm kind of happy though that he doesn't sing in the movie because this way then it makes yeah, it I like- Yeah, I feel like it's necessary because too, most of her songs, if they're not the production numbers are like very inside songs. They're like it, her thoughts, so- uh-huh. It would be weird if he was singing. He was singing. But then there's I I am woman, you are man. I think yeah. That, there's a couple I of exceptions wo- to that, obviously. But or you are woman, I am man is the actual yeah title yeah. It, and like... then when he seduces her in the apartment, <laughs> when he when he gives her the egg, when he gives her the blue marble egg, like with the uh, modern eyes, I'm watching it. I'm just like that's that 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 ha- that has the same connotations to me as like the christmas song baby it's cold outside where i'm just like it she's saying no <laughs> she's, yeah, no yeah. means no <laughs> yeah but she still was falling for him so it kind of it kind of is it kind of <laughs> is what it is i mean there wouldn't be a musical if she didn't fall for him <laughs> That's so she true. has to fall for him he has to seduce her she has to fall for him Sharp. let's get into the segment that i'm calling that i like to call sharp and flat um where we are going to highlight moments in in the movie. And if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it so much or like it, we could get rid of it, it's flat. Pun. <laughs> Music pun. So it um, looks like you're thinking. So I'll go first. For me, the sharp moments are the performances within the movie. 
So like roller skate rag and the swan and even uh, his love makes me beautiful. Like I was genuinely laughing at those moments. I was just like, this is hilarious. Her on roller skates falling down and like, get, that's all I need in life. Just people falling down. <laughs> well, I love, you know, the fact that Fanny Bryce actually did do the swan dance. So you can look that up online. What? <laughs> yeah. So you just type in Fanny Bryce swan and you'll find, you'll find it. Gorgeous to be graceful is what the song is called. Oh my God. That is. Amazing. And it's actually in one of her movies that she made. I believe it's in be yourself. It's called It's Gorgeous to be Graceful. Oh my God. So you should should check that out because that was the ode to that in, in Funny Girl. Oh my God. That is amazing. I thought, you know what? I, I was just like, yes, it makes sense that because clearly she's more, she's a move, she is a mover. Mm-hmm. It seems like she knows how to move her body around to make it funny. But like she would just be like, I can't, I can't do ballet, so I'm just gonna take the piss out of it. <laughs> right. Well, and two, I mean, that was all part of her comedy because she's a physical comedian. She actually did know how to dance. She, um, there's a fun story that I oh. share as Fanny in my show, which is um, she didn't know how to dance. And Cohan, she first person, first big person to hire her was George M. Cohan, and that's because she walked into the production office and basically told the people in the office that if she could sing long and loud enough for them to hear it. She'd give them five bucks. So she sang. They said, okay. She was very young at the time. She was probably like 15 or 16. And they they probably laughed and thought it was cute. So they let her sing. And George M. Cohan heard her and came out and actually hired her. So he at the time, um, <laughs> he hired her and brought her out to the stage with all the showgirls. And Fanny Bryce was actually very tall. She was 5'7". And oh, wow. um, so she again she stood fine with all the showgirls because again she was doing burlesque um and he he was teaching the dance number because he was a tapper and um she couldn't hack it and he fired her within the hour so he couldn't so that she also lost the the biggest job she had in her life when she was very young she couldn't dance so she got very wise and very savvy and when she was touring in burlesque she basically told the um, showgirls that she would do a trade if she would teach them how to teach her how to dance, she would make, have her or her, her mom, who was a sewer at the time, um, make them pretty underwear to wear. So she would change, she would trade. And so then she learned how to dance so that she would never not know how to dance ever again. Wow. So she, was a, so she was a dancer, like not a dancer as in like a, a massive like dancer, but she danced well enough to keep up in a, in a chorus. Right, 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 right. But like, she's yeah. not like a trained ballerina. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was all part of her comedy. Oh my god. Okay, so I I I will look that up after we're done with this. Do you have any moment in the movie that you're besides the whole thing that you're just like, I love this? Can I just okay. say I love when she's at her dressing table and looking in the mirror. Really? Every yeah, I love that every moment. time. Yeah, well, the, the the beginning and the end, and um, I don't know, just the always the moment in the coat stands out in her leopard coat when she first comes in to the theater and is kind of looking back on her life. You know what I mean? That's where the show starts. And you get the profile. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you get that profile. It's it's kind of amazing. That that's really amazing. The roller skate number, I do love. I I tend to love the intimate moments in that show personally that's my own oh, okay my, 
interesting. But I, as an actor, also like all those intimate, meaty moments. So there you go. Maybe that's why I have an affinity for that. But, um, and that's more true to who she was because on stage she was very funny, but in life, her life wasn't so funny. So, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, that can be said <laughs> her about life a lot was of people. Not funny, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, was there any moments that you felt were flat? I mean, I kind of sh- kind of shut on the movie a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like we kind of talked about this already. I feel like I just I just only wish that they could have shown Nick in more of the light of what what he actually did do. Oh, uh, okay. but then again, if they did that, then I wouldn't necessarily be doing what I'm doing now. So sure. um, <laughs> that I think that's my only big big gripe with with this show and besides what we talked about in the beginning which was she doesn't have as much chutzpah in the show as she actually really did it yeah that that i'm gonna agree with you like that's what's missing i get it it's a it's a romantic move it's a romantic musical and it's all about love and her finding her soulmate if you want to call it that for the purpose of the movie in real life probably not doesn't sound like it so much but um yeah like i i as much as i do love this song don't don't rain on my parade i didn't really like what what i was watching happen of it because i was like you're giving you have two weeks left i get it you're you're stupid when you're in love but like finish your contract (laughs) um is there I mean, obviously, you do her, you uh, you probably sing her songs in your head all the time, but is there, like, a few of the songs in this movie that you really love more than the rest? A little, a little more yes, than the rest? Yes, as I nod my head. Um, yeah, Don't Rain On My Parade is my favorite. It's actually, I call that my signature tune as well. Oh. I, used to sing it, I used to sing it for every audition. It's gotten me called back for Broadway shows. I people request it. I love that it's it's beyond <clears throat> one of my favorite songs. So um, yeah, uh, that that's my that's my ultimate favorite song of a funny girl and people. I'm also a big fan of people, just because of the the meaning of what people means of the song. So like I said, I do love "Don't Rain in My Parade." I also love "My Man." Because of the balladness of it, like the like, yes, there's a lot of bit. There, there's huge numbers and then quiet numbers, but like that one, I think we get to in the movie. It feels like we get to see the real her for a second. Like she's not the stupid in love. She's not the comedian. She's like the real Fanny. Yes, well, and true. That's why that song became so popular with her because Flo Ziegfeld gave it to her because he was like. You have to sing this dramatic song because it basically you you singing about Nick. Oh, yeah. But but then I also like "I'm the Greatest Star" personally. Oh yeah, that's a fun one too. I do love that song. That that's the one that you're just like pumping yourself up. You're like, okay, I got. I'm gonna. I got. I'm gonna leave the house today. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I will. I agree. I like that song too. So we're at the end, basically. Is there anything you'd like to promote or plug? Oh, well, sure. I've mentioned my show, so I'll plug it again. Do uh, it. If anyone, if anyone listening wants to check out my uh, fabulous Fanny show, it's it's a musical theater theatrical event. It's streaming online. 
Um, it's just like watching a Broadway show, except it's, it's, it's me on a stage with a set and, and it's filmed in front of an audience. It does really make you feel like you're back in the theater, which I, I love because that's what, what everybody tells me, which is the most exciting thing considering we're in COVID. But you can check out uh, more information about that at fabulousfannybriceshow.com. And we're streaming into the new year. So I don't know when this will be live, but when it is, when, this, if you're, when you're listening, which would be right now, you're hearing this, please feel free to go to the website and it will... Um, I'll add it in the when it's playing. It will play when it's playing. I'll add it in the show notes. So excellent, excellent. It's streaming on Stellar, which is a very large streaming platform for shows, theatrical events, and concerts. Um, And then you can check out more about me at KimberlyFayGreenberg.com. And you can find me on all all socials as well if you just type in my name if you want to learn more about me or my actor coaching business, or my dressing, or my Fanny Bryce endeavors. I am, I am so there on the World Wide Web. Just type in my name. A plethora gotta, of things will pop up. And I got to say, I, uh, uh, at the beginning, you know, I said that you're like one of the top 10 performing arts coaches in the world. Uh, I, I, on a personal note, I actually had Kim help me with my resume and cover letter. So... If you guys need help with that, go to her. She's uh, yes, and then you've got your Broadway show. I got my Broadway show. Yes, <laughs> uh, she's. Don't forget um, that. That's important. <laughs> she's a, she. If you guys like need help punching up your resume, or if you're like me and you can't write a cover letter for shit, Kim can definitely help you out. Obviously for a price, but like. <laughs> I'm her, very reasonable. I'm very. She's reasonable. very reasonable. Uh, and if you want to keep up with the with this podcast on the social medias and stuff, we are at But a Song on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email me at butasongpod at gmail.com. I think I did that wrong. Let me do it one more time. <laughs> if you want to keep up with this podcast on the socials, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at butasongpod. And if you want to email me, we are, I am at buttasongpot at gmail.com. You're more than welcome to give your thoughts. And if you have requests for something or if you want to be on, I, whatever, you're more than welcome to. And next episode, I'm going to be talking about Scrubs, my musical with somebody with a different guest. <laughs> Kim, it was great seeing you again and talking know, to you. I know, I know. Like I said, I don't know when this is going to come out, but obviously I'll give you a heads up. And uh, can you just give us a little bit of people or something? <laughs> you don't have to. How about I just give you a little bit of Tell Rain on my parade? Give us a little Tell Rain on my parade. I'm going, no, no, I can't do that. Hold on, no, no, I need, um. don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life candy and the sons of all of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Perfect. <laughs> you can actually really hear me sing that song if you watch my show. So there you go. <laughs> and, listen to this, and if you listen to her CD, ah yes, I I actually did download it and I have listened. I have listened to that. It's Thank very you. well done. Thank but you very much. yes, uh, that's it. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 
Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.